Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. All right. God is good. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having me, uh, everyone. I love what God is doing at Harvest and... This Tuesday is actually my first uh, official start date to be here on staff, so I'm excited and grateful for the opportunity, and I do not take it lightly. I'm excited to build the kingdom of God um, with you all in the season. If you're new here, my name is Jeff, and here at Harvest, our desire is to help people take their next steps in their journey of their faith for a deeper relationship with God. If you noticed uh, here on stage, some of us don't have a mask, and I want to let you know that everyone who is not wearing a mask has been rapid tested um, this morning and have all been negative. Before we dive into the message, there is one thing that I love to do every time the Word of God is proclaimed. And if you've made a decision to be a Christ follower, please repeat after me. Say this. Say, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. Amen. We're going to go into a two-week mini-series that I titled The Space Between. The Space Between. Um, There's this phrase called liminal space. Everybody say liminal space. Now, this word liminal space is a word that's used in psychological circles, theological circles, and also architectural Circles, And what it pretty much means is it's that space between arrival and destination. And if you take a look at this picture, if many of you have been to O'Hare, there's that one area that looks like this and it has all the lights above, right? And it's the space between going from security to the gates. From an architectural standpoint, this space is considered a liminal space. It is the space between starting and your destination. Other places that is liminal space is when you walk into the doors of this school. And it's that space between the doors and where you're sitting right now. It's the space between. Now, from a spiritual and emotional and psychological standpoint, there is also things called the liminal space. And these are the moments where maybe we ask God for something It's that moment we pray a specific prayer and say, God, I ask you for this. It's after that moment and waiting for his answer. There are moments maybe where we're diagnosed with an illness and we hear the the steps to recovery and restoration. It's those moments that you're waiting for what we're aiming for. There are also the moments in life where Maybe you lose a job and you're looking for something new. Or maybe it's the point where you get hurt in a relationship and it's that time of healing. Another example of liminal space might be this. I know the youth group's not in here, but maybe for some of the youth group, they've been up all night. They're persevering during the worship service and they're waiting for that moment where we hear Let's pray, right? And they get a little excited. God, I made it. I made it. Now, some of you, though, you might say that 
that's not my youth group kid. That's actually me. I hope that's not you. I hope that's not you. Liminal spaces between the start and the finish. So the series that we're going into this next two weeks is the space between. Again, turn to your neighbor and say the space between. God is inviting us here today, I believe, to look at how Jesus responded in the space between. You know, the reality is this. You may not know me. Maybe we met like once or twice, maybe even this morning. But the reality is all of us have something in common. And it's during these past few years we have all experienced anxiety. Anxiety. And the beautiful thing is that when we have times of space between and anxiety, God invites us into a conversation with him. The title of my message today is, Can We Talk? Can we talk during these times of waiting? Can we talk for these times where maybe we don't see hope, but we're promised it in the scripture? Because of Christ and the cross and through the resurrection, we now have access to talk to him at all times. And he invites us especially into the times of liminal space. Everyone has experienced anxiety. 500 years ago, this person named Michel de Montaigne said, My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. There's going to be things in our lives that we get anxious about, we fear, and it never actually happens. But today I want to talk about the times where those fears actually do happen. What do we do when we see things coming, or when we're in the middle of it, and it hurts so bad? We invite Jesus into the conversation. Philippians 4, 6, we... Many of us know, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I want to ask you, what have you been experiencing lately? What is that liminal space? What is that anxious thought that has been plaguing your mind during the day and maybe even at night? Our Lord is near, and I want to encourage you, and because he is near, he is here for you. Today, the Lord has led me to a passage in the Bible where we find Jesus in a moment of the space between. And we see him face off with the word anxiety. In Mark chapter 14, we find Jesus go to a place called Gethsemane with his friends. And we find him in the space between. And his announcement of him knowing what's going to happen at his final dinner has begun. And now he's about to enter into that place of in-between where eventually he's going to say, it is finished on the cross. Jesus here knows that this time of suffering is about to arrive. And I think it's really interesting what he does when we look at this scripture. So turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to have it on the screen as well. And the word of God says this. It says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. 
And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Verse 41, and he came the third time and he said, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Amen. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as Eugene said, God, I pray that we would not just hear your word and read it, but we would be doers of your word. God, I pray today that there would be an eternal change in our hearts. I pray that we would be reminded of your faithfulness. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So the title of my message today is, Can We Talk? And I want to preface, my main points are actually from a message I heard from Pastor Craig Groeschel. And I loved it so much that I wanted to bring those main points to you today and give my version of the message. I want to ask you today and ask, what are you anxious about? What are you anxious about? What has been plaguing your mind lately? What type of liminal space have you been in? Now, I do want to say when it comes to anxiety, I support therapists. I actually just saw my therapist uh, on Friday, or actually yesterday. I do support therapy. I do support changes in your diet to help you with anxiety. I do support doctors and medication. But today, I want to focus specifically on the spiritual and practical ways that we can operate in as a church body. I'm going to start off today and say, and just keep it 100 with you guys. During the pandemic, I have faced a lot of anxiety. And I still love God. Raise your hand if you faced anxiety the past few years. Many of us, if not all of us, right? Now, here's the other thing. I absolutely love Jesus. And there are still times where I face anxiety. Anxiety is like anger. There is such a thing as righteous anger when you are angry and not sinning. Now, in the same way, I do believe that anxiety is similar. We can be anxious for a moment, but if we stay in it, that anxiety can lead to sinning. It really depends on what we do with anxiety and how we respond. Interestingly, though, in this main passage, we actually see Jesus do three things when he's facing anxiety. We read that though there was a type of anxiety, you know, this was an anxiety that no other man experienced because it was the, the weight of the world and the weight of sin about to head on to him, and the consequences of sin that he had to face on our behalf. We see it's an intense one. 
He was getting ready to be crucified. You know, the word crucifixion is the absolute worst way to die. You're pushing up on the nails that were just put into your hands and feet. You know, if you think about it, there is a word also excruciating. And the word excruciating actually comes from crucifixion because it is a word that determines so much suffering and pain. People say that the worst way to die, two, two ways to, to die is the worst. It's drowning and it's being set on fire. Being crucified is actually both. And when Jesus was experiencing that, it felt like he was burning because he had those whips and those lashes on his back. And it was fresh because they would put a linen and rip it off. His flesh was burning. And at the same time, he was drowning because he couldn't breathe, because he, his, his lungs were collapsing every time he tried to lift himself up. It was like drowning and being burned at the same time. In times of anxiety, we need to look at how Jesus faced off with it, head on, in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. So what did Jesus do? I got three main points today. The very first thing he did during a time of trial, pain, suffering, anxiety, was this. He, number one, he talked to his friends. Everybody say, talk to your friends. Talk to your friends. It says that he brought Peter, James, and John. He brought the homies with him. And it says that he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. In the Bible, there's a story about the Israelites and they're fighting the Amalekites. And Moses was on top of the hill. And many of us know this story. And when he was up there, there was an interesting thing that would happen. Whenever he lifted his hands to God, the Israelites were winning. But here's the thing. When he began to lower it, they began to lose. I don't know what happened when they were right here. But when they were here, they were losing. And his friends, Aaron and Hur, they saw that he was getting tired. So what did they do? They lifted his arms for him. And they assisted him during a time where he needed to keep going. And they eventually won the battle. See, when we talk to our friends, there are opportunities where we can receive divine help. When we pray or receive prayers. And it's also an opportunity for us to be Aaron and her. Maybe you know somebody who's facing anxiety. Maybe it's not you, but maybe you know somebody. Maybe you need to lift their hands. Because when we do that and we talk to each other and keep it real, we lift their spirits. James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all time and a brother is born for adversity. The Bible also says that we need to bear with one another each other's burdens. In the airport, there's a liminal space between the time you get into the gate and now the time where you hop on the plane. And it's this picture right here. And during this time of liminal space, architectures and designers, they created it so that that liminal space can be enjoyed in community, so that we can invite others to talk with us in this space. And what Jesus did when he faced anxiety was he talked to his friends. Very simple. A simple application that is both practical but also very spiritual because we were created as relational beings. 
Now, a simple application, you know, if we don't have many friends, I encourage you to, uh, you know, build friendships. But maybe you're not in that place. But maybe you got a dog. Maybe you got a cat. I met uh, Jeannie and Pastor Dave's uh, new dog, Smudgy. Oh, my gosh, therapy dog right there. You just talk to the dog, just listens to you, wags its tail. For me, in my household, we have a dog, but we also got chickens. Anybody got chickens in here? Oh, we got some chickens. We got one? Yeah. I like to call my chickens therapy chickens. I'll go out there even when it's cold, and I'll say, good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? I have four chickens. They all come to me. I give them a little food. We talk, and then they give me some eggs fresh in the morning. <laughs> give me options, scrambled, over easy, whatever it may take. I get fed in my spirit, fed in my stomach. I encourage us to just talk. Have a conversation. Sit down with another person just like this picture. Or maybe you go and initiate a conversation with somebody who's struggling. You text them and say, I notice you're going through a rough time. And just say, can we talk? Just text them that. Call them and say that. Now, what happened here in the scripture is we see Jesus invite his friends. But what do we see in verse 37? It says that his friends, the same people he reached out to, fell asleep on him. They fell asleep on him. Imagine Jesus is about to face the worst suffering and he sees them fall asleep. Man, that hurts. I think there's something very profound here that we see happen. And it's this. Our friends that are human will eventually fail us. Or maybe not fail us, but maybe they will disappoint us. Or maybe there's times where you reach out to them and they're not available. And even in that situation, maybe you get hurt. Because our friends are human, they will fail us. They are limited in support. Now, I do say go and reach out to them. It's very important. But what do we see next? Number one, Jesus talked to his friends. And number two, we see that Jesus talked to his father. Everybody say, talk to his father. Amen. Again, he talked to his friends, number one, then he talked to his father. In verse 35 and 36, and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Jesus went straight to his heavenly father. He went to the one whose mercies are new every single morning. He went to the one who was readily available, even in that moment of crisis. The truth is that we are invited to talk with our Heavenly Father. Amen? But the issue many times is the lies that plague our minds during anxiety. Maybe the problem seems too big for you. If it's too big for you, maybe you're just, you think it's too big for God. And we're limited even sometimes in our faith where the problem becomes bigger than God. But I came here to say that he is there for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is for you. In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, 17, at the very end of the Bible, 
It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. God is inviting us, even when we don't invite him, to sit down and talk. Now, our natural reaction is to go away from conflict. It's always to go away from conflict and just do the things that are comforting. You know, in times of struggle, uh, my mother would teach me. I think she's in the room right now. Uh, she, She would teach me and say this. She would see me depressed or struggling, and I'd be on the couch just laid out and not want to talk. And she'd say, son, actually she'd say it in, in her Filipino accent. She'd go, Anak, what is the problem, right? So ask me, what are you saying in your mind? And I'll be honest with her. And she says, Anak, which means child, she says, I want you to start training yourself to speak this way. She said, before you say anything, because we talk to ourselves all the time, Before you have those thoughts, put God in front of whatever you say. For example, many of us, we go outside and we say, man, it's a beautiful day. No, take a moment and say, just simple thing. Say, God, it's a beautiful day. It goes from a place of just talking to yourself to a place of prayer. Maybe some of us, we're tired and we're saying, I'm tired. And just, ah, right? I encourage you to say, God, I'm tired. In the scripture, we see Paul talk about how we need to pray continuously. And I want to say that it is actually possible to pray continuously. It is possible to have moments of prayer, but also have a a life of prayer. All you got to do is say, God, and then fill in the blank. Very easy. You stay in constant prayer. In the very first picture that I had, um, we have this thing. It's called a moving sidewalk. I never knew what it was called. Looked it up this morning. It's called a moving sidewalk. And the reality is the moment you step on it, it is like that liminal space. You begin moving towards a new place. And sometimes when we're hurt, we will actually never be the same by the time we end that liminal space and get to our destination. But here's the thing. When we step on there, it's up to us to either walk against it, where you, you pretty much just you know, stay in the same place because you're walking in the same direct, or the opposite direction where it's moving, or you could walk on it. You don't even have to walk sometimes. You could just stand there, and it's moving you towards a destination. And what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say don't walk away from confronting what you're facing, but I say at least sit in it for a moment and then walk towards that place of healing and restoration, and God, because he wants to walk with you. All of us can either prolong this moment of liminal space, of the space between, or we can face it head on and move towards a place that we don't want to go, but is often the place that we need to go. When it comes to anxiety, face it. Confront it head on just like Jesus. If you were here in November when I spoke last or for the first time at Harvest, I mentioned that my wife is in a criminal court case. And I want to give you an update about that. If you weren't here, to give you some background, a previous patient of hers, she's a nurse practitioner, um, touched her inappropriately. And we are now um, pursuing justice in the criminal court system. 
And as difficult as it is, one huge part of her healing process is including facing the man that caused this injustice. Next Friday is our next court case. It's this Friday. Please keep us in prayer. And she has another trial date uh, later in February. But as I see my wife going through this time of hardship and immense pain, the hardest pain she's ever experienced in her life, and just watching her, I'm seeing her not just walk against the current of that moving sidewalk, but I'm seeing her many times just standing there in that moment of pain, but trusting in God that he's going to do something, even though he's not the reason why she's in that place, but she's going to walk towards it. And I'm seeing slowly and slowly that when she faces it, man, there's a side of her. There's this lioness coming out of her spirit that I haven't seen in a long time. So please pray for us. God understands everything that we go through. So we need to go to our Heavenly Father in times of anxiety. Another question I have for you is when's the last time you talked to God and kept it very real? And not just say, like, Heavenly Father, I come to you. I thank you for this food. But I'm talking about those times where I say, you straight up talk to God and say, God, what is going on? God, what do I do? God, I need your peace. When's the last time you did that? Guys, he is the almighty one. If he can create the universe, he can also care for you. He's faithful. And just like that song we sang earlier, he loves us so much. You have a heavenly father that you can talk to. And when you pour out everything to God in prayer, you will be filled when you leave him because you came to him empty. Someone once said that God will not pour into those who are already full of themselves, who think they know that they got everything, all the answers. I encourage you to go to God empty and go to God honest and talk to your heavenly father. So the very first point we had for today was Jesus talked to his friends. Number two, Jesus talked to his father. And number three, our last point, he talked to his feelings. He talked to his feelings. Everybody say, he talked to his feelings. Verse 36, again, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. And then here he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Guys, our feelings can be so, so deceptive. And Jesus talked to his feelings. And he overcame them with the truth. But notice, before having to speak to his feelings, there's something that he did. Before he spoke to his feelings, who did he speak to? His father. I believe that that happened on purpose. For him to talk to his feelings, he needs to get the strength from his father. He said, not about my will, my emotions, my feeling. This is about the will of my father. Proverbs 3, we, many of us know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There's this old grandmother that I would see uh, on a weekly basis at my old church. Actually, uh, my friend's here. It's his grandmother. Uh, raise your hand real quick, Jacob. It's that guy's uh, grandmother. I'm going to talk about his grandmother for a moment. Now, she was this old lady. Okay, I'm talking old. I don't know how old, maybe like 90s. And I was watching her. One thing 
I do in life is I, I like to observe, I like to learn from the elderly, um, just because they have so much wisdom. And the way that they live, you know, they've gone through some things. So I would watch his grandmother, and I noticed something. She's different than the other grandmothers. She's, she was blind. She, didn't, she couldn't walk too well. Um, and there was this table where all the old grandmothers would sit, you know. And a lot of the other grandmothers, I would watch them during lunch, and they'd walk over to the chair, and before they sit down to eat, they go like this. They go, all the way down. And I started to learn, the older you get, the more ah comes out of your mouth. Uh-oh, be careful now. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I was watching the other grandmothers at the grandma table, and they would all do that. But here's the thing. This grandmother did something different. She would walk. She was blind. She couldn't see me watching her. I know, it's messed up. She couldn't see me, but I would watch her because I knew she couldn't see me. I'd stare at her. And right before she sit down, she goes like this. She goes, thank you, Jesus. And then I watched her again. I was like, oh, interesting. I, I waited. I waited that whole lunchtime for her to get up, right? And she goes, she stands up and she goes, thank you, Jesus. And I was reminded of that this past year. And for some reason, that simple act made a profound statement in my life. What was this grandmother doing? While everyone was allowing their feelings to go, ah, this grandmother spoke over her feelings and said, thank you, Jesus. She was speaking to her pain. And I believe that she was speaking over her pain and her feelings because she had a divine, intimate relationship with her father. She had the strength to speak to her feelings Every time she was going through pain, maybe arthritis, whatever it may be. Guys, I want to encourage you today and talk to your feelings. Some of us are saying lies, and we need to go to our Father and say, no, 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 no. There's truth in this moment, and the truth will set us free. When we say that, we can trust Jesus and that he is faithful. He did not forget you. And he's here with us even now in this room. In closing, I want to ask you guys a question, a little Bible quiz. What did Jesus do for a living? Someone shout it out. His occupation was a carpenter. Two years ago when I was building my chicken coop, I, had, I was doing a little carpentry. I was thinking about Jesus. And it hit me like never before, the tools that I was using. Jesus was a carpenter. He probably started at the age of 12, 13, and began picking up the same equipment every single day. What did he pick up? Many times he'd pick up a hammer, right? Did you know that even Jesus' occupation was pointing to the end of the liminal space? Every day he picked up some nails. Every day he picked up the same material that would one day be used to crucify him. Every single day he'd pull out those nails. He'd take that hammer at a young age, all the way to age 30 when he began his ministry, and he would 
work on that same material that would one day hang him to the cross. The Bible teaches us that this is what Jesus said throughout his life. And during his three years, he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. In John 8, 28, And Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. In John 12, he says, And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw peoples to himself. People, we don't really realize that the word lifted up, actually in the original language, was pointing to crucifixion. When they would say the words lifted up during that time, it means that they would refer to crucifixion. I believe that when Jesus was revealed that what he would do at a young age, I believe that every single day he picked up these tools, he had to confront anxiety. He had to confront the difficult thing where he was headed towards, but he knew it would bring freedom for us and glory to his father. Church, Jesus endured the will of his father. And I want to remind you that within the will of the father had us in mind. It brought him joy to do the will of his father for his glory and to also save us. Every single day he worked. And I believe that the only reason why he could make it to Gethsemane is because he built up the strength to endure daily. I want to encourage you to talk to people daily, to talk to your father daily, and talk to your feelings daily. Never forget that. He is here for you. So as we go from here, church, let's talk to our friends, our father, and our feelings. And for those who have been waiting for this moment of liminal space in the sermon, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done. through your cross, and through the resurrection. God, we thank you that you have given us practical steps on how to face these dark times. God, I pray that we would have the courage to invite our friends, our family, or even professionals to talk to about what we're going through. God, I pray that we would have the reality to remember that you are always available to us in prayer. And God, when we go to you in prayer, I pray that we would always leave different, transformed, and more like you. God, for those of us who are battling anxiety or problems, God, we just lift it to you at this time. Uh, Before we continue on in prayer and Eugene leads us, uh, just everyone kind of close your Continue to close your eyes and just bow your heads. And if anybody in here is facing anxiety in this moment and you find yourself in this space between, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Amen. You can put your hands down. Hands all over the place. God, we lift them up to you. Just like Aaron and her lifted the arms of Moses.
and we pray for your strength to abound. In Jesus' name. Let's continue in a heart of prayer. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.